Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an oft-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. I'm having a herpes breakout right now. <laughs> Was that but a good one? you never know it. <laughs> <laughs> and Mitch, is that your quote or do you have a different no, one? No, no. In the words of Dana, um, toaster is street for gun? What a colorful expression. <laughs> oh shit i didn't know we were doing quotes <laughs> yeah we, liam do you, <laughs> we are recording you didn't know that right oh, oh shit sorry, sorry. okay oh, let fuck. me get a quote um, 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 um oh, okay uh how about this if you're shooting blanks i swear to god i will stab you in your sleep that's a really aggressive sort of thing to say i guffawed at that one dude yeah oh yeah i uh one thing that i <laughs> i got two that i that i that got some laughs out of me um that is excellent wire work <laughs> <laughs> and and um it's a really kick-ass sunny day outside today man or shoo 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 oh yes yeah the, so yeah. it's a quotable movie very quotable what is it what that's is a it? great question i'm glad you asked liam it's hamlet 2 Oh, Hamlet 2, the deuce, and now, correct. Yeah. Before you get too carried away, yes, William Shakespeare signed off on this. It's exactly what he had in mind. He gave it his blessing on Twitter. We all saw it. He's not directly involved, but like, you know, you, you do your due diligence when you take over a franchise. Yeah, I think he was executive producer, actually. Oh, really? Billy, Billy Shakes. Maybe, yeah. maybe they added that later, or he did like a bit of an Alan Smithy situation. I mean, you know, and it's not like he was any any stranger to sequels, right? Like Henry the Fourth and Fifth and Sixth or whatever the fuck he did. Twelfth Night. That was the twelfth one. Yeah, that was a really deep one. Midsummer Night's Dreams, sequel to Midsummer. He sort of <laughs> hopped on that one a little later on. Macbeth was the sequel to Beth. Man, you can't <laughs> say that. We're in a we're in a recording studio. <laughs> What? Oh, true. Yeah, I don't want this to be cursed. Um, yeah. The Scottish play was the sequel to Scotland. Um, no, Macbeth is the sequel to McDonald's. You can't say that. We're in a recording studio. Fuck. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> look at the, me. The Scottish play was a sequel to McDonald's. We should we should only do this entire episode in the iambic pentameter or rhyming couplets. That sounds so oh, difficult. We are due for one of those episodes. Every great piece of art has a, has a has a musical like episode. Yeah, I I think Corey and I have actually even before the days when Mitch came. In fact, so that's how we long, brainstormed. That's it. how long back we've not done this idea. It was a musical episode, so maybe it'll happen. Yeah, we thought about it. We de- we brainstormed more than you'd think, but less than you'd hope, and then it kind of fell by the wayside. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I'm open to it. I- it would not be two hours long, I'll tell you that for free, but like, I'm open to it. Yeah, I think Mitch is kind of the glue we needed, in fact. We all I'm heard that seance astrology us. bit. Imagine if that was set to music. Shit, dude. Fuck. This will still be a good episode, though. Or not as musical as it is. That is the question. Oh shit, he's doing the thing. 
Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arm against a sea of troubles and by opposing hey, end them, to die, to sleep no Where more, and by sleep we say we end the heartache uh, and death. the thousands of natural Curtain. shocks yeah. that flesh is heir to is a consummation devoutly to be wished Denmark. to die, to sleep, to, to, to die, 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 to sleep. Perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub. For oh, in that oh, sleep like of death, <laughs> what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil? Yeah, fuck yeah! Musical that episode, Hamlet three. Was that good for everybody else? That was good. I think I think we're good. Okay, so cut it and print it, and Mike, if you can get that to us by the end of the week, I think we can have it mixed in no time. Mike has been a lifesaver on the show, guys. I'm Dude, so glad. Dude, yeah, we hired really him. understated presence here in the booth. What a Mike is legend. one of the biggest assets we have. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't pay him, but you know he's really just putting in the time. He does it for the love of the game, and I think that that's really special. And for the exposure. Yeah, we'll and mention you know, him now, Mike. Mike, big round Everyone. of applause for Mike. our boy. <laughs> Huge dub. Thank you, Mike. Um, no. We talked about this. You can't come on the show. No, yeah. There's there's a, such a Backstage thing as too only. much exposure. People will be sick of you. It's for it's for uh, your own good. Your own Mike. good. There is yeah. such a thing as too much Mike. There's, we're approaching yes. it. Yeah, we're almost at it. So, but thank you, uh, everyone. Treat 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 his name like Macbeth, and uh, no one tip your waitress. Okay. Um. So Hamlet two, right? Uh, we the didn't deuce, know anything. Correct. We didn't know anything about this until uh a couple of days ago uh this was one of those uh loosey goosey shoot from a cannon fire from the hip like clint eastwood situations um where we just kind of picked a movie because it showed up and had a name that fit our criteria a very throwback approach um a much more specific criteria than usual um season finale baby because this is not a real sequel to hamlet it's a fictional fake sequel to Hamlet. The movie's not really about that. It is, but it isn't. And uh, on our season, hmm? thankfully, I I never heard of Hamlet before. No, nah, I thought it was like a Pikman. Nobody knows. Um, Isn't it a character cares? in Smash Bros? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Everybody really popped off when they introduced Hamlet as the last character being added to the Smash Brothers roster. Unreal Super Smash on Hamlet, dude. Shit goes absolutely crazy. It was so cool when Hamlet fought Sephiroth. (laughs) (laughs) Final destination, no items. Hamlet versus Kirby. So sick. What happens? What powers does Kirby get when he eats Hamlet? I don't know what powers he gets, but Kirby wears a little hat and it has a sort of quill in his hand. That's that's the outfit change. Okay, and a Danish flag. Yeah, Danish flag. I the think Dane. Uh, <laughs> just the shattering experience of a young man's life when he wakes one morning and says to himself, quite reasonably, "I will never play the Dane." Did you play the Dane ever? No, I've never played the Dane. That's a shame. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? Honestly, I can't believe it. I think it's an absolute outrage. No, I've not played the Dane. I've never done Hamlet. Have you done any Shakespeare, like in a proper yes. production? Yeah. Who'd you do? What were you I've doing? Done, I've, I've been in that one cursed Scottish play. Were, were you the cursed man? Were you no. one of several cursed men? No, I've played several cursed men in that play. 
like Mitch Kudrowski. I was I was the second murderer. Um, ah, right. I was I was uh, the doctor, um, and I was the son of the murdered king. Those are some cool roles. Yeah, crucial. Were any of them by Curious at all? Do we know that? Uh, maybe the son of the murdered king. Okay, cool. Good for them. I only really remember ever doing Shakespeare in like a high school classroom where you're all sitting and either you're all sitting and just reading and taking turns or if your teacher was cool that day, they were getting the props out and you had like foam swords and shit. Did you guys ever do that? Oh, yeah. Looking like Kirby. Yeah, exactly. Going curb mode. Um, but I, I pretty vividly remember like getting pretty, pretty invested. I don't remember if it was Hamlet or a different one, but for the sake of the joke, we're going to say it's Hamlet. But like, no, it must have been. Yeah, because there's a there's a sword duel in Hamlet, if you've read it. Yeah. And uh, me and her name was Chloe. We were like fucking going off. We were like running around the room and like fucking th- whipping these swords around and like jumping up onto shit while reading like the book is in one hand, the swords in the other hand. Um. It was pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. That sounds Sh- nice. Shakespeare's pretty get a good cool. Grade. You have a good time with it. No, this was just like we were just reading it like for like this wasn't even an assignment. This was just like we were reading it as a class to write about it. Oh, but true. We were, we were getting pretty involved. Yeah. And it's like, hey man, you asked me to perform. I'll fucking perform, man. We don't do anything in halves for exposure only. Yeah, you exposed um, yourself well, I bet, in that class. Oh, yeah, 100%. People knew um, who Corey Price was. Love to expose in a high school classroom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I uh, I think that reading Shakespeare could be a really good time if you, like, let yourself have a good time. I agree, too. I think that people give it, like, a hard time, but I think it's it, you can have a, a really fun time. Uh, it's it's accessible it if you want it to be. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it, in my experience, it takes quite a bit of work. Um, I've read more than five, but less than ten Shakespeare plays. Um, okay, only a couple in my off time. The rest are in school, which helps a lot. Um, and doing it in school, you know, even into university, I minored in English, so I was doing it all throughout university and. Uh, even late into the game, I couldn't just read it and, and ha- know what was going on right away. You know, it, it took quite a bit of work, but I found it so satisfying. And when you really it's it's like a, a, a well-written song or like a well-written comedy act, even where like you're picking up on new things. You um, could be like months, years down the line. Uh, just awesome stuff. So I, I'm a fan of Shakespeare. Uh I'm not a big fan of um, watching it performed, at least yeah. in mo- in movie form. Mm-hmm. I think it it's often just like so pretentious um, and and obnoxious. I would kind of rather just read it. I think seeing it in play form is much more um, much more fascinating. Like see, like um, going and like seeing it put on on stage. Yeah, or, like, live. If you just see yeah. it in the park. I don't know if any of you have ever done that. Where there's no, like, I want to. I would be down. There's a there are some troops in our city that are doing it right now that we could I think they're I think they're doing the Tempest yeah we should go and I've, see it I've never read that one I don't know I've, what that one even is it's a good one it's it's Let's one pause of his this podcast and go the go do the rest banger, of the episode yeah. on site um yeah I think uh, I think Shakespeare is 
it's I just find it weird that Shakespeare is like the one thing when it comes to like old plays that everybody studies still. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like it's not I'm not even saying that like it's bad or not the right thing to be studying. It's just funny to me that it's held on for so long, you know? Um and I've definitely had the bard is immortal. I, well, I've I've never really sought out a ton of Shakespeare in my own time, but I find that when I'm reading it, my brain goes, "We should do that." You know what I mean? I I rarely follow through, but in my head, I'm like, "Actually, this is pretty cool." What if I became a Shakespeare guy? Yeah, and I haven't, but you know, I've thought about it. I love I love quite a few like Shakespeare movies. I find I don't like the modern ones that I was much. gonna. So you're not a big Romeo plus Juliet Yeah, guy? do you mean like the ones that modernize it or just like the more recent, recent movies, ones. whatever, whatever I, honestly, language like, I they don't, use? I don't love Kenneth Branagh's ha- Hamlet. I'm just going to go That's right. That's controversial. That also seems like Mitch Kodrowski core. So this know, is a bit of a surprise. It, it does. I'm not crazy about it, but I love um, like all the old Olivier movies are great. Uh, Orson Welles has a few good adaptations. His adaptation of Othello is quite good. You see the Cohen um, one, the new one? Did you uh, see that? I haven't seen it. I really want to see that. Um, I mean, Wells' adaptation of Othello is good, but it obviously hasn't aged very well. But the photography is is impressive, and it's like a distinctly Orson Welles take. Um, yeah, I know. There's the modern ones. I, I'm not crazy about. I don't. I I can't stand Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet from 1968. I think. Oh, we've talked about that one before. Mm, the <laughs> yeah, I hate that. Uh, I hate that movie. Um, so real quick anecdote about that movie. I'll make it fast because I want Mitch to keep keep chatting about this because it's cool. But um, I watched that movie in eighth grade in an English class, and I don't know how um, a group of kids were so ready to make this joke as a group, but um, when that happens on screen and she appears topless on screen everybody in the room not literally everybody but enough people that it felt coordinated um like reached over and we're like oh god Corey, shield your eyes and we're like blocking my view of like the no you're too pure you can't you simply can't see tits dude it's fucking crazy out here like and oh it was so much of the room and the response was so raucous that like it sounds like it might be bullying, but honestly, that's just a good memory. That's just a really funny bit. Like that's such a good idea. Did yeah. that did that surprise you, or was that like it on brand? For, like, I mean, the like, character you had created for yourself. It was on brand because I was like very much understood to be the guy that had like no like. I was basically like you know when people tweet like this person uh, is uh, is like they don't know what sex even is. They've never heard of it. Like, I think that was the understanding that people had of me. So they were like, well, this is a vaguely sexual thing. Yeah. Somebody fucking keep that guy away from it. Nice. And in your head, you were like, I've worn out this section of the tape at home. <laughs> um, Not precisely that, uh, but it did <laughs> not precisely. It, but generally, yes, it was a good bit. though, And I, I it, it's like I take any chance I can to bring it out because that's also just like a group of like 13 year olds mobilizing as a group in service of the same joke is like really great. That is funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I might have overspoken when I said that I don't like Kenneth Branagh's all of his Shakespeare movies because there are he made so many 
in the 90s. Um, like, I think his, his adaptation of Henry V from 89 is pretty good. Um, when I got the Henry numbers right? Yeah. Dude, let's um, go. Also, <laughs> also uh, I th- I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, Much Ado About Nothing is his from 93 is pretty solid um but i i by and large i prefer like a lot of the older adaptations like i think orson wells is uh i mean it's not like a direct thing but chimes at at, at midnight is really great uh from 1965 where he plays falstaff i think um um what's the one i'm thinking of it's from the 30s uh midsummer night's dream that one is really extraordinary. It's by Max Reinhardt. And uh, you've got just some extraordinary choreography. Um, I think Busby Berkeley, Busby Berkeley, who was known for doing musical numbers, had like a had a hand in it. And so it has like this really lush uh, production. The great cast. Olivia de Havilland's in it. James Cagney is in it as well. Kind of a... It, it holds up really well, even though it's like 80 years old. That's sick. Um... How do we feel about? Are you a Baz Luhrmann guy? Not really. No. Um, I, I feel like I in find high school, him to be a bit of a guilty the... pleasure. Like sometimes I do like him. I don't like his Shakespeare adaptations, but I genuinely think his adaptation of The Great Gatsby is a lot of fun. Yeah, I think um, it's. I find it very strange that the two Romeo and Juliet movies that they had us watch in high school were. Uh, the Zeffirelli one and the Baz Luhrmann one. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cause they could not be coming at it from more different angles. Um, and I guess that was probably the thought process, but like mm. good luck keeping a 12 year old entertained by the former. If you're just going to show them the latter, because Baz Luhrmann's such a fucking maniac that like it's, it's just twisted stuff. Like it's so spectacular mm. that I remember liking it, but I I haven't seen it in so long that I don't know if like I would still feel that way about it. But I I'm always down for some shakes, yeah. shaky speary stuff going on. My uh, I think my one of my favorite adaptations is is Richard the Third from 1995 with Ian McKellen and uh, Robert Downey Jr., Mag- Maggie Smith, Kristen Scott Thomas, Annette Bening. Like it's it's got an outstanding cast, but it's like. They changed the. That's historical- a Poirot movie ass cast. Yeah, they changed the <laughs> historical context to actually fit it in in England in the 1930s to sort of like talk. Because I mean, if you've seen Richard the Third, it's all about sort of like uh, seditious political groups and uh, or seditious liveries, I guess, in in the case of the play. But um, you've got uh, um, it's set in like the 30s, and it's about like the rise of fascism in in England, and so it it sort of plays with like, what if like a fascist regime actually had success in, or like, like actually came into power in in England in the thirties, but it's all in Shakespearean English, but it, you know, they use like guns and they're all in. I I don't know why, but sorry for cutting in, but I really like it when they update the time period, but not the language. Yeah. I'm for that. I'm for I'm, it when it makes sense, like when it makes sense. And I, I think um, in this case it, it does, but I think in the, in the uh, Baz Luhrmann one, I know what they're going for with sort of like, you know, in the 1500s and this, they would have been 
like street street gangs, like a feuding street gang. That's pretty yeah, much it's what a, it was. It's a cool idea. It's a cool idea, and I I definitely don't hold them against it for doing it. But it, it's and you know it was successful, and a lot of people do like it. But it's not the one for me. But if you're if you want one that does do that really well, Richard the Third from 1995 is extraordinary. There's also I think it's a Macbeth that's like mid 2000s or something. I'm trying to remember. I know I know Polanski did one in the 70s. Um, I'm not gonna Ooh, hiss. I'm not gonna like recommend a Polanski film to our listeners, but um, I've seen it. Uh, I'm not sure about the one from the 2000s though. Um, I'm trying to see here. Oh, I didn't call it the Scottish play. We're all gonna die or something. Whoops. Oh, that makes three of us. You done yeah. it now. You completed the triangle of death, Corey. Yeah, I guess Google's not really helped me either. So maybe it's a different play that I'm thinking of, but. There was a, a Hamlet from 2009 with David Tennant. Maybe that's one. That you're of? might be what I'm thinking of. That one is Patrick is, Stewart in it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of that. I'm that's thinking of the that. one. That's actually mostly what I was thinking of when I said that um, I find a lot of Shakespeare film adaptations Wait, obnoxious. I lied. I'm not thinking of that. I don't know why I thought I saw Patrick Stewart and thought I was right. There was one with Ethan Hawke. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Which that I'm sounds, thinking of I would that. Want that. <laughs> was it Macbeth or Hamlet? Hamlet. Oh, okay. Ethan Hawke's nice. Hamlet is from 2000. Um, and Dang. it's also got Bill Bill Murray as Polonius. What the fuck? That's uh, and that's so shortly. Kyle after. McLaughlin and Le- Leave Schreiber are in it. Oh, I kind of want to see this now. Oh, this Dude, has got to be like a, a modern one, hey? Kyle because set, it's set in 2000 New York City. Okay. Because the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet was like ninety nine, right? Yeah, but it's, not, it's not set. It's set in like historical times. Yeah, I I do like that one, by the way, Mitch. I gotta say, okay, I like the Kenneth Branagh one. It's like a corporate thriller. In this version of Hamlet, Claudius is king of the Denmark Corporation, having taken over the firm by killing his brother, Hamlet's father, and they've got like video cameras and surveillance technology. Dang, and like I think that security that applies. cameras. God, that applies for us sick. to do it on the on the podcast. This sounds sick. We should watch this. Steve Zahn. Oh fuck. I love Steve Zahn. <laughs> this cast is pretty sick, dude. Season four coming coming uh coming soon. Tim Blake Nelson and friend of the show, uh Larry Fessenden, who I think we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Larry Fessenden was in Cabin Fever 2. Anyway. Um I'm going to talk about this movie a little bit, Hamlet 2, which for what it's worth has very little to do with Shakespeare relative to the amount of time we just spent talking about Shakespeare. Um, But when else were we going to have a chance unless we end up watching Hamlet 2000, which is what they should have called that, just like Fantasia. (laughs) Um, This movie is directed by Andrew Fleming, who we've talked about before because he directed the original version of The Craft. Right. Um, and also Emily in Paris, everybody's favorite show. I believe it's pronounced uh, Paris. Nobody's doing that bit. Nobody knew that. <laughs> Nobody did that. We're not doing this. Um, Be the change you want to see in the world, Corey. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> Sorry. I believe it's pronounced Corey. I can't believe you do this to me. Um, the movie is written by Andrew Fleming and also Pam Brady. Guess what she wrote, fellas? The Brady Bunch movie? Hot Rod. <laughs> Nice. nice. We were just talking about how fucking funny that is. 
Um, the movie is edited by Jeff Freeman, who also worked on The Craft, uh, and Cruel Intentions, and Nancy Drew, and Ted, and Ted 2, I believe. Um, cinematography is by Alexander Grzynski, who also worked on The Craft, and also Emily in Paris, and Tremors. Um, this is the one that threw me for a fucking loop. Uh, the music is by Ralph Saul. Um, he wrote the movie Grind. Oh, nice! Like That's the a good script movie. to the movie, not the music. But he also did the music. But like he wrote the movie. <laughs> Dang, it's one of his project, only writing eh? credits yeah uh, awesome. and that's a movie i like wore out the disc on that one man oh yeah that one Fuck, i watched that movie a lot i always remember that movie as like being one of the few movies that the blonde dude from cabin fever is in he's like he's the blonde yeah. lead in grind yeah. and so that's a that's a good double feature yeah when i was a burgeoning uh like skater kid um i watched a lot of grind and I watched a lot of a VHS tape called Scooters with a Z. Have okay. we talked about this? No. Um, and it's just, I, I found it recently on YouTube and I lost my shit. Um, in part because there is an interlude in it where some kids just scooter to a McDonald's and like stop and take a break. Um, it is called Scooters Basics and Beyond. It is from the year 2000. You can watch it. Awesome. You can watch it in full on YouTube, um, on the channel Consumer Time Capsule. But there's like skate clips in here, and there's scooter stuff, and there's some like rollerblading as well. Um, like I'm watching it now, and a dude is just like lip sliding a ledge. Um, there's water skiing. It's like it's got a whole middle segment that's just like cool shit happening. Um, and it's like 22 minutes of just like the shit that would absolutely blow like a six year old's mind. (laughs) How did you have this on VHS tape? Where'd it come yeah. from? I don't know. I don't remember. That's so cool. But I dude. watched it so much. And then when I found it on YouTube, I what? absolutely lost my mind. And only 22 minutes? I'm like dying to know how this got in your hands because it sounds like it sounds like the sort of thing that would have just been made by like some local kids, right? So how how did it get to you? I don't know. I, I... these guys like, yeah, my dad works at movie gallery. So, uh, I, dude, you're joking. I was seriously was about to say, I guarantee it was probably a movie gallery find. Wow, like dude. early movie gallery. Uh, because we had one that was like in town. Also, it's called Basics and Beyond, but it's not instructional, right? It's just like a bunch of cool shit happening. Like, there's a oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm clicking through it. There's a bit of there's a brief bit of like uh, roller hockey for some reason. Yeah, I'm seeing some VHS tapes of it on eBay, and the packaging is it yellow, bright yellow? It is bright yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, it kind of yeah, it yeah. kind of just looks like it would just be at like some kids store or something, and just somehow got out there. I guess the VHS tape world back then was the wild west, dude. Corey, we gotta watch this together. I'm dying to see this. Yeah, man, absolutely. I would love to own the tape again, but knowing that it's on YouTube, definitely like covers my bases for now because nice. you can get re- it pretty cheap too it's not like this is going for like hundreds it's like where five did you bucks. look it up on ebay there's a couple oh, of them for five to ten bucks five bucks have we ever done this live on the show should i just buy it live <laughs> 129 but the shipping is 25 dollars. that's how they get you new factory sealed rare vhs they claim 
I don't know if I agree with them. Dude, is scooters on Letterbox? I'm gonna give this five stars <laughs> right now, just because it was a little little movie that could. It's not so, on Letterbox, dude. Too that's rare. The greatest crime of maybe our entire lives. This might be the rarest movie you've ever seen, Corey. It might be. You just entirely us all with your cinema knowledge, dude. Ah, oh man, I love this thing. I'll put this in the description of the episode. Dude, that's so cool. I love learning about scooters, but I love that. I love learning about little things that people had back then that they just wore out that was like unique to them. You know, like how I had Leave It to Beaver and I just just spammed it. Um, I think that'll kind of be a a forgotten thing as uh, things uh, go on streaming so much. But yeah, because I wore out my plasma screen TV paused on this (laughs) on somebody's like bare chest in a movie when I was a kid. Did you do uh, Lords of Dogtown too? What is that? I haven't seen that. Oh, that one's uh, it's a s- skater movie. It has like a uh, Emil Hirsch in it and um, Keith I've heard- Keith Keith Ledger. That's cool. a skateboarding it's a, it's a movie. Really good movie. Yeah, it's about Stacy Peralta and all those dudes. Uh, okay, so like early shit. Yeah, yeah, it's the seventies. Gotcha. Interesting, Mitch. You can skater? you kickflip? Can you kickflip? Uh, I had. A you have thirty seconds to do a kickflip. <laughs> I had a skateboard when I was a kid, but I never really got into it, so no, I can't. Anyway, do you want to watch scooters? No. Fuck! Absolute bullshit! Can't believe you'd say that to me during the episode. Unbelievable. You asked. Um, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Anyway, Ralph <laughs> also did the music in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or rather, um, he he has music credits like various credits like executive music producer etc etc stuff like that on the show on, no ours our buffy oh the one we made yeah yeah uh 10 things i hate about you speed one great shakespeare adaptation 10 things i hate about you it is a sh- it is isn't it oh uh, yeah i love those quasi shakespeare adaptations so you're like a clueless guy yeah love clueless yeah. how do you feel about those mitch like movies that like took influence from shakespeare but if you didn't know, you might not know that they're Shakespearean. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there's so many movies like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you like those? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like movies with that sort of Shakespearean arc. I mean, like uh, Scarface. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, I think of like teen movies that did it a lot. Like 10 Things I Hate About You, She's the Man. Um, I think She's All That is supposedly King a Shakespeare did it, adaptation. Didn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Hamlet. With Nolan I. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that. Um anyway, I Googled this and it, it has introduced me to a movie called Motocrossed. And I cannot tell for the life of me what Shakespeare play this is supposed to be. A young girl secretly poses as her twin brother to win the big motocross race for him after he breaks his leg. Hmm. <laughs> that's King Lear, obviously. Obviously tragedy he broke Wait, his leg the movie is a loose adaptation of william shakespeare's 12th night about motocross it's a disney channel huh. movie about motocross oh I, I mean you know what's legendary this article's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed i think one of the best uh, examples <laughs> of that has to be uh a ran by akira kurosawa True. based off king off king lear yeah mm. that's a great one yeah, or uh, Throne of Blood, which is based off of the Scottish play. Um, anyway, I'm noticing here that the girl in Motocrossed is named Andrea. In the early 2000s, Andrea really had like an absolute vice grip on everyone's neck. 
why was every kid named Andrea? Because Airbud Girl was also named Andrea. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I must have missed the boat because I didn't know any Andreas. No, I didn't either. Yeah, we just were we too it. young to miss the getting the Andrea boat. I guess so. Um, I also, eh, this is a long shot. This joke better work out, or I'm gonna have to cut it. I'm gonna feel like a real idiot. Uh, let's get into the cast. Um, we've got Steve Coogan playing Dana Marsh. I'm a huge fan. Of Steve I was Coogan. gonna add, but you guys both instantly responded to his name, so I guess you are both fans. Yeah. I just like his name. I don't know if I've seen him in anything. What what is it? What has he done, Mitch? Uh, he's in uh, one of my favorites with him has to be Twenty Four Hour Party People. That's like one of his fucking best movies. He's hilarious in that. Um, you, he's been in like all kinds of shit. He was in Greed in twenty nineteen. He's in the other guys. Uh, Night at the Museum too. Despicable Me too. Tropic Thunder, which I don't really like um he i don't know if you've ever heard of like alan partridge or seen like memes about that on twitter but he's that guy yeah he's uh he's wonderful he's like a popular british comedian yeah so if you've ever also watched like a british like panel show he's probably hopped up on those a few times i don't know if he's in love actually i feel like he is but i, I might be misremembering that he he has one of those faces and just just this way about him where I thought he was very familiar. I could gather that he was British. I couldn't tell if he was a comedian, like Damn, a, he didn't a, a convince comedic you actor. With his accent. <laughs> no, I I but I thought I thought this dude is is a British actor, which made me think he's likely a dramatic British actor. He Not kept comic. reminding me of like a younger Snape. Um, but yeah, looking through his his. Uh, his movies i don't know like i've vaguely seen some of the movies he's, he's in but i don't think he's fabulous in, in, in 24 hour party people by michael Win- uh, winterbottom like it, it's a wonderful uh movie about like in set in manchester like during the rise of sort of like pu- more like punk music like the sex pistols but also like you have like the like new order and like a bunch of other stuffs and he plays like this journalist uh tony wilson who who like opens like a series of nightclubs um it's it's yeah, just a, a really funny movie. Um, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm putting it on my watch list. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm always happy to see him show up. But uh, proceed, uh, Corey. Proceed, I will. Proceed. Um, <laughs> sorry. <coughs> oh Jesus. Okay. I almost got to warm up before you do something like that, Corey. Never, never warm up. Uh, Catherine Keener plays uh, Brie Marshes. Um, she was in Get Love Out. Her. I oh, spent yeah. the whole movie trying to remember what I recognized her from, and it was Get Out. Um, nice. She's also in Being John Malkovich and the forty-year-old version in Synecdoche, New York. What do you love her in, Liam? All all of those things. I yeah. love all those movies. She's she's one of those actors, and I've I've noticed this um, in the last few years. Where if I know she's in a movie, I will likely seek out that movie. I just I love her tastes. I love her her acting as well. But it also it just seems like her tastes align with mine. Where she just picks really cool movies. She's also in Where the Wild Things Are. Um, oh yeah. She's in a movie called Cyrus. She's in uh, Into the Wild. Is that John C. Riley in it? Cyrus, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I does. do know. I can't believe I pulled that. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I haven't she, seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool movie. Uh, Jonah Hill, our man. So yeah, so she's just, 
I just I love the movie she picks, and I just love her comedy. I mean, of the movies you said, Forty Year Old Virgin is probably my favorite. She's hilarious in that. That's one of my favorite movies. But um, yeah, Synecdoche, New York, Get Out, like all all so good. Synecdoche, New her. York's great. Yeah, I also appreciate somebody who can do a movie that's more the speed of Hamlet too, and then also do like I'm gonna go do Synecdoche, New York also. Oh yeah, yeah, she's she's great. I've got a lot of respect for that. Mm-hmm. Um. We have uh, Joseph Julian Soria as Octavio. Um, he is in a movie that we should probably watch, Crank 2 High Voltage. Nice, about dude. a movie who has to like, electrocute himself or fuck or something or else he dies. <laughs> High Voltage <laughs> is a good meme uh, sequel subtitle. Uh, he was also in The Purge Election Year, and he popped up on Dexter, Sons of Anarchy, and The Shield. Um. Skylar Aston plays Rand, which I was spending most of the movie wondering, is it short for Randy? And it isn't. Um, <laughs> he's in Pitch Perfect, which is, I guess, what I was recognizing him from. Um, he's in something called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and I guess he does a voice oh, in yeah. Ralph. He's a very recognizable guy, but like not in a way that I find looks like a huge impression. Yeah, he's recognizable in the way where I'm like, did I walk past someone on the street the other day that kind of looked like him? Yeah, yes, I think that's where possible. I'm recognizing him from. Uh, Phoebe Stroll plays Epiphany. Um, she does a voice in the video game Bully, which I'm mentioning largely oh, for oh. Mitch's benefit. Fuck, oh, you yeah. like that game, Mitch? I, I love that game. Dude, that is a all-time like top five favorite game for me. Oh my gosh. It's a great the game. amount of hours I've spent in that game. So I you've need heard her before. Bully 2. Yeah, I must have. Bully 2, Mitch. We need to, we need to petition for it. When it drops, yeah, it's going to happen. Gosh. Uh, she also pops up in Glee and Glow. Um, Melanie Diaz plays Yvonne. She was in Be Kind Rewind, uh, Fruitvale oh. Station, the CW show Charmed, and also the first Purge. But yeah, Be Kind Rewind. This movie reminded me so much of Be Kind Rewind once it was over. So that's that's yeah. cool. It reminds me of Be Kind Rewind, Twenty Four Hour Party People, all those like kind of quirky two yeah. thousands comedies that are like very smart, but also like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. kind of irreverent but also like sweet you know they just yeah. all right make all right smile. fellas we'll get there <laughs> hold it together i'll finish the cast <laughs> uh we've got arnie pantoya as vitamin j uh he does some voices and some stuff now he's in the final fantasy 7 remake he's in one punch man he's getting out there michael esparza plays Choi. uh natalie and Amanula plays Yolanda. She was on Corey in the house, which I'm legally obligated to mention. I'm um, your man. I'm your man. That's right. For the Nintendo DS. Um, Marshall Bell plays the principal. Principal Rocker. We just saw him uh, in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, where he is the gym coach. Um, I'd recognize that ass anywhere. Yeah, truly. He's also in Stand By Me, Starship Troopers, Total Recall. Um Two people that don't need introductions are Amy Poehler and David Arquette. They're both in relatively small roles in this movie. We picked this off the strength of David Arquette, and he says like ten words. That's that's like the strength of his part, though, as Gary. Yeah, Gary, iconic Gary. Um, Elizabeth Shue is playing herself. Uh, <laughs> I had no to, introduction. I had to look her up because uh, I like the joke of the movie. Did not recognize that name uh <laughs> she could have been working at your uh could have been your what, what was she a nurse in this movie yeah like your sperm could have been clinic. working at your, your sperm clinic yeah 
Um, I didn't think we were going to talk about that on the podcast, but okay. Uh, your sperm clinic? Mitch, stop. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Uh, she was in Adventures in Babysitting, which uh, I haven't seen. Um, she's in The Karate Kid. Didn't remember that. But we did Back to the Future 3 on the show. Yeah, we've, so we've seen The Schuster. Two and three. She's in both of those. And then we've got uh, Nat Faxon as Glenn from Coffee Shop. I think it's funny that his name is Faxon and his Faxon. Um, Shay Pepe plays Noah Saperstein, who was the school newspaper drama critic. What a great name. Um, Shay Pepe. That's just a fun name. Only credit, which feels like a lot. The kid's pretty funny. Wow. That's um, surprising. Yeah. So this movie is about a sort of washed up recovering alcoholic failed actor drama teacher in Tucson, Arizona. Daddy issues. Who's got daddy issues who gets, uh, who has a drama class that isn't really going anywhere. And then suddenly because all of the other art selectives got canceled is full of a bunch of new students who don't really give a shit at first because they had to be there because all the other arts classes got canceled due to budget cuts. And um, then it finds out that the drama class is going to be canceled and they have to save the drama class somehow. And the way that they do that is he reaches deep down into his soul and his psyche and writes a musical called Hamlet Two, um, which is about Jesus Christ and Hamlet traveling through time to like, forgive their dads for forsaking them essentially love it um this is as much a sequel to the bible as it is hamlet it really is it's basically the fifth book of the new testament um and because of its controversial take on things like uh sexual ham or sexual jesus i don't know if hamlet gets sexual or not um hand job humor murder uh, the ta- parts of the town uh, get very upset, but uh, it catches a lot of media attention. And despite all of the hurdles, uh, not only does he win over the students that he assumed would be reluctant and learn to stop being a racist, but they successfully put on the play <laughs> in the end. A lot of growing in this movie. I'm noticing on the Wikipedia page, it says that this movie is narrated by Steve Coogan. And while that's true, I just don't think it was necessary to put... No, he yeah. fucking narrated it. You're <laughs> <laughs> not lying, Corey. Come on. Um, so, Mitch, batter up. Hamlet 2. I really liked it. Um, I didn't have like any expectations going in. I was expecting, like, how the fuck are they going to make a sequel to Hamlet? Everyone's dead. Um, but I... They don't. <laughs> I took a That's glance. That's the thing. The movie's mostly not that. Yeah, I took a glance at the cast and I, I saw that like there's no uh, there's no notable Hamlet characters in the in the names of the cast, so I knew it would be a separate property. And I had enough faith in in the actors that that you know it would it would probably be like at least okay. Um, but it, it's I think that this is like an extraordinary movie, and I watched it with Abigail, and we were both like that kind of fucking slapped when it when it finished um this movie had me laughing a lot of the jokes i think are definitely of the time and you probably couldn't tell today but like there's some really funny humor in here um uh 
it's I think one of its greatest strengths is that you never know this movie's next move. Um, it's it's full of surprises, um, just in, in how it, it and how unconventional it is, and how how it tells the story. I think Steve Coogan's performance also plays into that because he gives a very unusual performance. It's still very much a, a Coogan performance, but it feels a lot like a Woody Allen performance too, in a lot of ways, like kind of a like the sort of like a loser guy that like. Uh, is insufferable and is in so many ways like the architect of his destruction and, and kind of awkward, but also kind of endearing. Um, yeah. So there's, there's all that. I think it's a really smart, like smartly written movie. Uh, and it's just joke after joke. And um, the way that it all comes together to like in the thrust towards the last act, I was writing in my notes is Hamlet two actually going to happen. Are we going to see the show? Like, cause pretty much all you really have is like these sort of fragment fragmented, like couplets people remarking about like, Oh, there's like a, like a, a, a group sex scene at the start. What? And a time machine. And so you, you hear all these things about what, he envisions for Hamlet too, but the picture isn't clear. And so that the image starts to form. And then when you finally see it at the end, it's, it's very gratifying. I think all of the cast is really good. Amy Poehler, especially is absolutely perfect. Like when he's, when um, Steve Kusti Coogan's like, I think the play is going to be good. And she's like, it's irrelevant. Cause she's like a, a civil liberties sort of lawyer or whatever. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 hilarious. I think the setting of Tucson for this particular story is really good, um, and I think it's just like a a feel good movie um, that's feels like it it it's a part of of like so many other kinds of movies that came out during this time. But um, no, it's it's a really excellent movie, and we can get more into the reasons why. But I took extensive notes, uh, but I took them by hand when I was lying in my bed, so they're not the most legible so I'm that's going, how he would do it but alas um an ass an ass no no that, that's it um i'll pass it on to whomever wants to talk next william yes Corey. would you like to talk next sure i would like to talk next i thought this movie was a delight as well um all i knew about it was that it wasn't a sequel to hamlet I put this on our list at some point in the last year because I had stumbled upon the title Hamlet 2 and I knew that it it wasn't a sequel. I, I think I just looked up enough to see, okay, this movie is called Hamlet 2 because of some other reason, which is why we're doing it in this last slot of the season uh, because it's a, it is an anti-sequel. But beyond that, I didn't know what it was. I couldn't even recall really if it was a, a comedy or not. Um, and so I just let the movie wash over me and I thought it was really charming, uh, very clever in its script writing. Like there are just some jokes here that are, um, just really, really sharp. They could be in like a stand up act in their setup and delivery, but they're very snappy and, um, the, the actors in it as well, whether it's some of the smaller parts like David Arquette and Catherine Keener or the bigger parts like Steve Coogan, who, like I said, somehow I'm unfamiliar with this guy, but I think they are just so charismatic and, um, they just know exactly how to dig into the material and make even the smallest moments worthwhile. 
Um, I really like the high school teen movie premise you know i'm a sucker for that stuff and this movie comes at it from an angle i love which is um the inspirational teacher or the uh fish out of water in a school um it's sort of that school of rock type movie um Mm -hmm. it even it lampoons stuff like dead yeah yeah one of my favorite movies and it even lampoons directly by bringing up stuff like dead poet society and you know that's a drama but this doesn't feel all that different it's just well it, it does feel quite different but it's turning it on its head it's in reference to something like dead poet society because instead of a robin williams like character we have this teacher steve coogan who is bragging about uh being robin williams stand in on the movie patch adams and sharing a car with him and he is sort of this uh kind of loser like his marriage isn't going all that well he wants to be a successful playwright or a successful actor but he's acting in cheesy commercials and um his his drama department at school isn't really going anywhere like Corey said he's a he's a an alcoholic um he's a on the wagon off the wagon on the wagon he's an on the wagon alcoholic um and so he's this interesting sort of uh, messy character, which I also love. I love movies about um, adults who are like in their mid 30s who haven't quite found their way yet. And this is one of those where this guy has ambitions, but he doesn't know how to achieve them. Um and I think it's just a really good setup for a movie. I think the comic act, the comic writing is is really sharp. Um uh, Pam Brady, who Corey said did um, Hot Rod. She was also a writer for South Park early on yeah. and helped write the South Park movie. Um, so it's just like, it's it's that sort of humor at times where it's just, it's funny jokes, but then you've also got stuff that is a bit more crude. And like, like Mitch said, these aren't jokes that would be written in a movie nowadays. Um, but I, I still think they're, they're, they're really funny and I was and it was kind of refreshing too because I was not expecting that sort of comedy in this movie. I was expecting something a bit more PG, but some of these jokes are are really have that bit of like mid late 2000s bite to them like uh the character epiphany who is like this um she's a a theater kid but she is like actually like pretty racist but like she doesn't she doesn't like know she's racist she's just super ignorant and she keeps getting called out on her racism and then she ends up bonding um uh with um (laughs) <laughs> the, the rest of the students and sort of goes in the other direction where she starts talking and slang and i just thought it was really funny really heartwarming um and i think just an underseen gem i think it's kind of wild that this movie isn't talked about more and that the movie didn't make more money i read that it was a really hot property at sundance that year and was it had a bidding war happen over it and was bought for about 10 million dollars and made less than half that at the theater so i've got to imagine the marketing for this thing was just rough you know i remember movies coming out in 2008 and this one um was not on my radar or any of my friends' radars who liked movies like this because this really is like a, a crude teen comedy uh, that has some heart in it, you know, something like Harold and Kumar or 
and this just wasn't in the conversation, which I think is a is a shame. Um, I did find that the final sequence of the play went on a bit long for me and kind of started to drag, but. I also wouldn't want to gut it because there is some some moments of brilliant in that play too, and I also think it is. It looks really good. Like, it looks cool, and it's I think shockingly it, elaborate. Yeah, and I think it's it's really bold structurally because, like Mitch was saying, they keep alluding to all the wild stuff in this play, and I think it would be funny if they didn't show the play. But I also think it's really funny that they they commit to showing the play and like that rock me sexy jesus song like that is that's hilarious it goes so, on for a while but yeah it does it does um, it's pretty funny so, it's it's impressive it is it is impressive um it sort of reminded me of the movie forgetting sarah marshall where at the end of the movie we see uh jason siegel's big uh dracula puppet performance um so it, if you like mid to late 2000s quirky comedies uh you know stuff like be kind rewind forgetting sarah marshall um i think that this is uh one that definitely ought to be checked out i thought it was a real treat yeah i was also uh pleasantly surprised because my expectations were literally nowhere um so it definitely ended up being a much more enjoyable movie than i would have expected um you guys might be. You guys definitely sound like a bit higher on it than I am, but I, I by no stretch does that mean I thought it was bad. Um, I'm just not going to say anything new here that you guys didn't just spend ten minutes saying. So I'm trying to think of like a unique thought. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything that specifically you weren't into? Maybe. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I guess not. I think it's maybe just kind of like like you guys were saying. Like it's a kind of comedy that's showing its age more now. And I think that that is as likely to have jokes that still land as it is to have eye rolls. Yeah. And I think maybe there's like a few more of those than I would like. But yeah, I mean, um, I also just think I don't I don't really the the plot with David Arquette and Catherine Keener feels a bit not superfluous, but just kind of like it doesn't go anywhere. I think it's like they just leave and it never comes up again after that and like, this seems like the kind of movie where you'd want to put a bow on it somehow but like he just succeeds and then moves on and maybe that's the healthy reaction but it's not the movie reaction yeah i think that one scene when when they're all at the sperm clinic and david arquette is also at the fertility clinic and he's just got this like deadpan face while they're talking about like yeah he drove her there you know, the fact that Steve Coogan, like, doesn't let his balls air out or, like, and he's just, like, sitting there, like, just, like, dead, deadpan is, is, like, fucking hilarious. I think the fact that his character, like, barely says anything and is, like, always there for these critical, like, confrontation scenes, <laughs> like in the Mexican restaurant, too, where she absolutely, like, reams him and drinking this, like, the biggest margarita I've ever seen. I think that, like, his performance there, less is more and, and he's really, really funny. And then, and then it, with the, the payoff being that, like, they've been seeing each other the whole time, despite her, it, it seemed like, it seemed like, um, Catherine Keener and Steve Coogan's characters, like, had a shared, if not disdain, then, like, uh, indifference to to gary or a shared annoyance and then it turns out that she's been seeing them the entire time and that this is unassuming dude like it's also his baby i think that's pretty funny in, in a, like a a dark kind of sick 
way because it Corey's right that it doesn't really have a whole lot of uh emotional weight to it and then no, it doesn't it's just it doesn't one come more back thing to that it goes wrong for him <laughs> yeah. and then it just goes away <laughs> yeah. and so i thought once i wrapped my head around that because i was a bit surprised about how that whole breakup scene was playing out too like i knew that they weren't happy um uh she had she was saying stuff like if you're shooting blanks i swear to god i will stab you in your sleep and so uh they're they're having troubles but i thought she That's wasn't the type love. to leave him but then uh now that i think about it if you say you're gonna stab someone in your sleep maybe you are you're exactly the type of person to be sleeping with your roommate and and leave them so i was all right with it um one joke that i think is underrated so i want to mention it while i'm thinking about it is when he gets served a cease and desist in the parking lot and the guy who gave him the cease and desist starts running away before he's being chased like he hands him the cease and desist it just runs away yeah, and then he doesn't start good. chasing him right away. So the guy's already gone. Yeah, he's like, "Why are you running? You don't need to. Like, you can just walk." Like, yeah. um Also, another bit that landed well with me is that the guy, while the play is happening at the end, who just goes like they're waiting and like the big white sheet is up and it's over. He just goes, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" <laughs> like that was um, good. It feels like a very Tim Robinson, like I think you should leave style of bit, where it's just somebody who isn't reading the social cues of the rest of the room um but just like when he yells later like that is excellent wire work it's just so fucking funny. yeah it, like that's, that's funny. that bit maybe hit me the hardest out of any of it uh no like there's there's definitely like some some shit like from that gym teacher who wants to like stop it that's like funny but also like hit or miss like some of the jokes he says like especially during the last scene where he like reveals something pretty disturbing about his childhood for laughs <laughs> yeah i yeah like it, it, like abuse and racism are definitely very much a punchline here still yeah and like you i'm sure you can write a good punchline out of some of that somehow now but some of these definitely don't feel yeah. like the funniest thing <laughs> it, I mean, it um, smells like south park right um yeah and i think like some of that stuff like i think is still like some of some of the stuff like the jokes that were of that nature were like not super like harmful but i think some of them definitely could be and again i'm not the person to say what's harmful and what's not um but i know that it probably couldn't be made today yeah one example that i think is maybe good is that when octavio wants to do the play but says he can't because of his parents and then obviously they're just setting up like oh it's because you're like in some horrible gang and like um are sub like like drug-addled freak show because it's just like um for the one thing I guess we haven't said that is maybe relevant to why these bits land the way that they do is um, because there's two white students who are absolute keeners and then a bunch of Latin Latin students who are forced into the class, essentially. And then that's when you have Epiphany saying, in my prayer circle, I've been praying for more racial understanding, but I get anxious around ethnics <laughs> um, as one example. But that also, like, when they set up how... He has to go talk to his Octavio's parents, and the joke is that actually they're like educated and cultured, and it's like that's just a punchline that you wouldn't do now because it's it's a fucking lazy joke, and like that's when you roll your eyes because you're like, do we not have a better joke than that? Like, wow, a non-white person can be smart 
what a but funny they, thing that he didn't think that they like, do like do stuff with that character and like i think like that general like setup i think i think like you're you're right and like pointing it just that feels out. but lame it's now like, it's just kind of boring but they do something with that like i think um like that sort of aspect of his character and like those characters returning in the end i think um yeah i'm is, not saying the movie's like promoting it it's just like it's lazy i guess i know? want a better joke than that is the main thing like yeah. it doesn't the joke doesn't have to be that Mm. Um, I liked that part. I like I like how um this movie has a pretty good habit of of making the um the racist people or the, or the ignorant people the butt of the joke a lot of the time. And so in that scene when uh Steve Coogan's character um Dana he like he's told by Octavio's dad that Octavio they're not they're not going to let him be in the play just because like the play isn't isn't that good. It's it's a poorly a poorly written sequel to uh one of the best plays of all time and uh yeah he's uh, dana a says, purist dana says like uh well what makes you qualified to say that or, you know how do you know better than i do because dana considers himself you know a, a playwright and uh a scholar he's a drama teacher and and the dude mm. says that he's written like nine novels and has a phd in literature and you get to watch steve coogan just play that of just being like totally humbled and like just just beat down again and deservingly so because like like mitch said he's doing this woody allen part of like he's he's actually kind of a dick and so i, I like following a protagonist like that who kind of just keeps getting put in his place and he also has a good heart so it's nice to see him succeed at the end but all along the way he uh he's learning that he's he's got a whole lot to learn and so i, I like that part i think that <laughs> There's like we were talking about how abuse is kind of the 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 brunt of the joke. I think it's Yvonne. I'm not sure which character. I think that's correct. The one character who just gets shit thrown at her constantly. That's Yolanda. In- oh, you no, you're right. It's Yolanda, um, who's turned into a human wrecking ball at one point on the wire works too. I mean, like that that kind of a bit is like very very crass, very reminiscent of like South Park. But I'm not gonna lie. Well, like, people the, getting the, hit with stuff is funny. The slapstick like, there just... is great. Like the, there is some really good physical comedy in this. Um, like the part where he gets drunk and rollerblades into the side of a truck, and the shot lingers for like 30 seconds. I that part was very funny to me. Um, and Yolanda, um, like even though she's kind of like this punching bag for so much of the movie. Um, she fucking man, drags she ever, his ass. Does she ever dish it out in the last? have when he doesn't want to produce hamlet 2 she just fucking tears into him and it's really good to see all these characters and the way that they interact with each other is really satisfying and it's especially when they all like produce like this incredible show at the end that's this sort of postmodern and impossible to follow but really good i find all the parts of, of the students all those actors actually have like a lot of presence i thought everybody was really good yeah so do like, i i think that this is a, this movie is like way better vitamin j i think it is it's the guy who like can't speak like he's just not speaking in full sentences he's just speaking in like vibes like yeah mm. yeah no it's like yeah and then they do like a who's on first bit where nobody knows who the fuck is trying to say anything yeah um which i think is fun and he's like no he's just saying that we can use the warehouse and he's like oh shit okay like you know love a good bit like that why does he roller skate 
like specifically roller skate no but like why not like roller blades are better for commuting right like true it's just just funnier looking it is i guess yeah also he seems like more of a roller skate guy he does um Mm -hmm. we've got what else we got um vicarious laertes um you guys like that that's a just a note that i took He's not gay. He's by curious. It's just a note that I took. Yeah, one of the things that I mean, Roger Ebert said in his review that, and like, <laughs> actually, sorry, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Forget it. Delete. Wow, wow. What was it? Uh, well, he this he is my made, attempt to get you to say it. <laughs> he made note of the talents of Coogan. Then he also said that the New York Times uh, states that the film makes sure to take shots at Christians, gays, Latinos, Jews, and the American Civil Liberties Union and Elizabeth Shue. So we were talking about how there's like a lot of... That's um, just a list of jokes in the movie, Robert. You didn't... Roger... I just called him Robert Ebert. But... Like, that's what Roger is short for. No. <laughs> but it, but like, like all good irreverent comedies, I think that like... um, No one's like really exempt. Like everybody's kind of... Made yeah, fuck the American Civil Liberties Union. Yeah. Kind of like everybody's... Everybody is kind of being made fun of in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> yeah, there are there are some jokes here where, you know, I just either didn't find them funny or I did think like, oh, that's a that's a bit uh I don't find this funny because it is it is tasteless, but then there are other jokes that um someone could call tasteless that did make me laugh. So I think uh I kind of appreciate a comedy movie that is going to all those places and, and pushing mm. the boundaries and um, uh, still has, I feel like a warm message throughout it. I thought, I thought that this, um, this wasn't as nihilistic or, or nasty or mean as a lot of uh, aged comedies are. Yeah, I think this it- is actually a pretty sweet movie. It's not as like irreverent as like what some of the creators have made, like like South Park, where it where it uh, or other things that are that do have a bit of a mean streak. Um, like this movie is is not. I I, I think it, it like at its core is like a a, a wholesome kind of like well intentioned um, movie that that is gonna like poke some like fun, but I don't think it I don't think it's like a, a mean movie or a, like it doesn't it doesn't go too far. Perhaps in places it does, like with some jokes that you wouldn't, that I, you know, are left in the past. But I think, like, it's a it's a well-intentioned film, right? And you can kind of see its heart. I think so, yeah. And and those are some of my favorite comedy movies, mm-hmm. you know. I think, I think basically all my favorite comedy movies, I'm not going to stand by every joke in them. Like, me and Corey, and, and possibly Mitch. Do you like Superbad, Mitch? I love Superbad. Uh, right, that's Superman that's a, came out the same year. So if you're thinking in that comedy time zone, you're in the right spot. Yeah, that's and that's like an eleven out of ten movie to me. Um, but and that's there's got some there's whack shit in it for sure. Totally, and and some of that whack shit will make me laugh, and some of that whack shit no longer makes me laugh. But it, it honestly doesn't make me like the movie any less because I think. Um, you know, I, th- I think I think I can have problems with a movie and still see through, see past those problems, and and um, appreciate what the movie is is uh, intending as a whole. Because uh, 
you know, as as time goes on, it's all these jokes. Like I'm sure we, we've made jokes on this podcast, uh, and we try we try to be pretty respectful, and we've definitely made jokes on this podcast, or even just said things casually on this podcast. That I bet you know, even if we go back and look at them now, let alone years from now, we're going to be like, oh, that's not really cool anymore it's just that's just what happens um as uh, yeah, culture my, changes. my trick is i'm never gonna listen to any of this podcast ever again right yeah, yeah. but <laughs> one day Corey, someone's gonna listen to it and say Corey, you said this and i'm mad at you and what can you do but say sorry How could you I, 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 scooters scooters are so right? dangerous <laughs> i wouldn't do it again i swear but at the time i i thought plugging scooters was a good idea what can i say <laughs> um yeah no i think like the bits that work definitely work though um and there is something funny about like that they have to practice in the cafeteria and in the gym because people just don't fucking give a shit about the theater kids at all like that's just kind of like true it's just kind of well i mean my high school had like a dedicated drama room yeah we weren't out there in the cafeteria doing that shit I say we like I took that class more than one time, which I did not do, but <laughs> took it in eighth grade. Same year as that uh, English class bit, actually. <laughs> wow. Hey, nice. I love drama up. class. I took it almost all the way through high school. It was just a I did too. T- total bird course, but also also fun. Just fun to hang out with your no, friends. No, the true emotion to get the true emotion on the stage is not for the birds. Just the hardest <laughs> thing you can do, to be honest, on the stage. To be Thanks, vulnerable. The man makes a good point. But you didn't have to be vulnerable on the stage to pass, Mitch. Um, to be anywhere half decent, you must show vulnerability to the audience. To the audience. Who's the audience? <laughs> the only audience that matters is you, if you think about it. Are you happy with how you're doing? Then you're good. Not really. No, it's true. <laughs> Not really. Think about it. What would Steve Coogan say? The audience. I guess Steve Coogan gets like a Broadway play out of it, so he'd probably say, yeah, the audience matters. But also write something controversial where Jesus is being called sexy by a bunch of high schoolers. Um, That's good. Swimmer's bod. It is, it is like the thing that feels the most foul play out of all of that is the fact that it's a drama teacher and his students doing the song. Like, that's a bigger red flag than the subject matter of the song itself. Is like, sure, yeah. hey, man, <laughs> those, are, those are like 17 year olds, and you're like Jesus age. Um, I will say, <laughs> as old as Jesus. <laughs> well, he's playing Jesus, so he must be, right? Um, but uh, the play's pretty sick, not gonna lie. Um, I was surprised at how much effort, like, an incomprehensible amount of effort relative to how the play was being described up to that point is put in by this movie. Like in terms of like the complexity of the sets and the presentation and stuff, like the time travel sequence is just genuinely cool where they've got like all those extra screens and like the rear projection of like a bunch of changing footage. Like that just genuinely looks cool. There's no way the school could have afforded that. Y'all are fucking crazy, but it looks sick. So I don't care. It looks extremely, extremely cool. It is cool. I like that you get to see um, the fruits of their of their I'd, efforts. If, if they didn't show it, I would be pissed off in this episode right now. Yeah, yeah, I'd be I, big, big tilted. 
Yeah, and I didn't really think about it while the movie was going on. I was just so wrapped up in the jokes and the outlandishness of the of the um, play that they were describing that I, d- I didn't have it in my head that, oh man, I've got to see this play and uh, see how they pull it off because I was kind of, I was just invested in the characters and wondering if they were going to get the chance. I was just along for the ride. Um, so I, th- I think it is a, a pretty clever move to actually show this play and um all the wild places it goes um i did i did i was feeling at the time that it was just it was going on a bit long um but uh i think um just structurally i i agree with with doing it so i don't really know what i can say there maybe a second time through i would uh I would I would dig it more. I'm not sure. Were were you into the play the whole time, Corey? Uh, it dragged a bit, but when when they got to a new part, I was pretty and uh, pretty much enjoying it. Uh, this the songs are each a little too long. I think. Yeah, maybe that's um, what it is. Rock me, sexy Jesus is simply too long. Like yeah, and it's a great joke, right? Like I'm so glad they did it, but uh, maybe it could have moved on quicker. What did you? And think? I don't even remember what the, the time machine. With the Jesus, time machine is sick. When they get out of the time machine, he's like, "When my dad finds out about this, he's gonna crucify me." Like, yeah, that's I good. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, it's like such a stupid joke, but I, I laughed. Well, um, even just like when he's like, "Where are we going back to?" 33 AD, <laughs> and it's just like everybody's supposed to know that that's like Jesus here. And everybody's like, whoa, crazy, man. And then he like slaps that fucking cup out of her. Like, he like walks in slow motion to slap the cup out of her hand. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I like how um they have the whole town kind of rallying around this play too. It's detractors and, and it's not promoters. rallying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like hating pretty vigorously. It feels very uh apropos of our current climate for it to be like first of all we're defunding all of the school boards and second of all no you can't say that in a play i'll kill you yeah yeah i do i think like this script Pretty is really target. is really gangbusters um yeah and even even when you don't fill in the lines i mean like the comedy lines real are really what grabbed me about the movie and made me laugh but i think just blocking this out like when they must have sat down and you know taken a week to outline this movie and where it goes like that's a that's a great idea for a movie so i think this thing totally has it i just i guess um after one watch for it to have gone all the way for me it would have just taken a bit of those editings between the lines because i felt um the last section went on a bit long but i really i can't uh, disparage the movie for for anything really like I think it is a really clever well made well put together movie with a whole lot of heart behind it and such a such a good idea you know I, I wish that this was talked about more yeah I feel like we're having that thing happen when we watch comedies where it's hard mm-hmm. to not just say yeah the movie's funny uh, this bit made um, me laugh that bit made me laugh um, yeah but no like then like you know in the performances meet the script where it is and like I think everybody's good um I definitely think there's a few people in this that I'm surprised I haven't seen in other things more. Same. Like I'm surprised this wasn't a launch pad for more people. I like, guess just I, because it didn't do well, right? Yeah, because like the only person who's part of like the student body that I saw beyond this was like Skylar Aston. And even then he's like the dude that you think you walked past in the street. And then like 
Melanie Diaz is on a CW show, but like, I'm surprised that like Joseph Julian Soria is not in more stuff. I'm surprised that um, Arnie Pantoja is not in more stuff. And I know like these are like Arnie Pantoja's bit is just that he doesn't speak in full sentences, but it's like he's still good. And it's not like these people aren't getting work, but it's like I'm surprised that there's not more like visibility on like, oh yeah, they went on to do this and this thing, and then we all go, oh yeah, that thing. And it's not like he was a guy in like Crank Two High Voltage and like one of the late purge movies and you're just like ah shit man i would have liked to see you in a little bit more stuff yeah it, it just goes to show that you know making a good movie and doing good in it isn't all that takes to get people knocking on your door this this totally does seem like one of those movies where you'd go back to it after um like a, a good amount of these side characters become super famous and you're like oh that's them in this movie this is where they yeah. got their start it's, they it's, were a it's side like character that movie that's that cool. has like it's that movie that has like brie larson and lakeith stanfield and like a bunch of other people oh yeah short term like, 12 yeah i think is that, is that, sound that right? sounded right it sounded weird when i said it but yes that's it yeah that's a great movie could have been one of those but with more jokes in it yeah presumably it, it, it really could have, yeah. I thought I thought Epiphany was absolutely hilarious. I yeah, she her. was honestly one of the funniest parts. Um, yeah, and, and I was shocked to look her up and learn that I hadn't seen her in anything else because she also had one of those faces where I thought I recognized her, but um, I guess just just, a lot I was of thinking, kids. Of, thinking of someone who looked like her, yeah. She's just very in character as a recognizable theater kid. Yeah, so funny, though. Worth a look if you can find it streaming. Kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, amazing that he's like still friends with them, even though they make him fall off the wagon. <laughs> look, who among us hasn't forced somebody off seven years of sobriety for a bit? True. Well, he's friends with them. They're his students. <laughs> yeah, but they, he's, he's like chummy with them, and they're making a production together. Yeah, they yeah, go to New like, York together. It's for a grade still. That Broadway play doesn't happen if these kids aren't trying to pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, maybe that's why he forgave them. You know, he might not forgive uh, Gary and uh, his ex-wife, but these people are, are still uh, high schoolers. Their brains are forming. He understands that. He forgives them. Gary's brain is still forming. I'm down for a Hamlet 3, honestly. Yeah. To s- they see if they've, like, started a theater troupe, or maybe uh, he the, Hamlet 2 was a flash in the pan, and now he's chasing his success again or something, and... Um, this this also seems like the kind of movie that by now should have more of a cult following. Um, I don't remember where I first heard about it. I'm sure it was someone who said it's a good movie. Um, so it's definitely a movie that has its fans. A glance at uh, the Letterboxd reviews will show you there are people out there who love this movie. But uh, I, I would I really think that this deserves more of like a people who still have this movie on dvd and like have an annual watch of it or something because it it really does have that mid-2000s charm it feels indicative of an era um while still holding up today in terms of uh um it has a story that's being told and uh uh, kind of a heartwarming story that's being told so um I'm down. I'm down to carry to this movie, Corey, and just hold it up and be like, "More people, damn Hamlet to it." That's big. Yeah, yeah. It's worth a look if you're looking for a funny, funny haha time. You guys, uh, say say a favorite joke before we go. I already did. I kind of already did too. Yeah! I want another one. 
Writing is hard. Writing is hard. Um, it it was stupid, but it was also theater. Oh yeah, that's a great great bit. We all experienced it. It was collective theater. Just fucking threw a trash can at one of his audience, uh, one of his students. Yeah, that was good. I'll I was do, sure he uh, was going to be fired. That's why I was saying that in this movie, the the strength of the script is that you never know its next move. Like you think he's like on the outs when he's at the Mexican restaurant. At least I did. I did. I was surprised to see him back in the classroom after that. Um, like it it goes in so many unconventional ways. It's just a delight to see. It, you never really know what's coming next. And for so many movies uh, we watch on here, I, I can't say that. That's a great point, Mitch. Like, 10 minutes into this movie, I was so happy to be watching it because um, that quickly, it showed that it was a clever movie. It had funny actors in it. I sort of knew the premise in that, like, it was a teen movie with um, uh, a uh, an atypical, likable, unlikable lead. But I didn't know exactly where it was going to go and so i had this feeling that i don't often have uh, watching movies on this podcast because 10 minutes in a lot of times i know that i'm not really feeling i'm feeling a movie whereas this one i was just so excited to see the rest of the movie i was like where is this movie gonna go um is really refreshing um and my my parting joke will be when he said uh to his wife when she was doing the the big breakup with him revealing that her kid isn't his and everything he, he says in a great delivery that i can't do justice he goes brie i'm starting <laughs> to think you are not a very nice That's person a great line. i like that one yeah that covers it hamlet too in the books um and we'll get to hamlet again in the future it sounds like with hamlet 2000 which i guess you could argue is a sequel to hamlet too it's a bigger number um I'm, I don't look at I'll make the rules. I just play by them. <laughs> um, next week, it's our season finale. We're wrapping it up. Season three is in the fucking books, baby. And um, to bring that in, we're going to do our traditional um, top 10 episode recap extravaganza kind of thing. But um, one thing that we do want to put the call out for is if you've got any sort of categories or qualifiers that you want to hear us talk about for the movies that we've watched in the last year as we discussed off mic what was the most disappointing what was the sexiest what was the funniest what was our what was the episode we had the best time recording whatever you want to come up with if you've got any suggestions for ways that we could look back at the last year of they made another one let us know we want to do that and then um once that's all sorted out by the end of the month we will be chatting about Texas Chainsaw Massacre again to ring in season four. So that'll actually be the very beginning of August. Correction. Um, But right on time, not a moment too soon. We're back and uh, we'll, we'll let you be in suspense a little bit about which one that's actually going to be. You'll have to wait and find out, but um, yeah, top 10 and all that stuff coming and then it's my pick and then it's Mitch's pick. Weird that we have another year of this in the books. We'll get to the reflection next week, but just like, man, shit just keeps, we just keep doing it. It's crazy. The hits stop coming and they don't stop coming. LMAO. That's how the song goes, I think. He just thinks it's funny. Smash Mouth. Um, Mitch, do you have anything you want to plug? No. Heavy burden. Come quickly. I hear him coming. Let's withdraw. 
I don't know if it's just you, Corey, but whenever Mitch does this Shakespeare voice, I just have the insatiable urge to watch Troll 2. Insatiable? <laughs> uh, it, it can't make be long satiated. story short, Peter began to run <laughs> and run and, and run. run. Oh, uh, half man, half plant, a goblin's favorite food. They can. They can. So, still exist. I you don't think of it maybe quite as early you. as you do. I'm just going to act like he's not doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to fade Mitch out in the background <laughs> as he continues doing the goblin. Pan him to the left. <laughs> I forget what I was going to say. So uh, you said you were saying you don't think of Troll Two as much as me. No, I no, but it is a good bit. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to have to put Troll 2 as an honorable mention on my list, even though it wasn't this year. It's just too good. Just every and, year. And it wasn't even my number one, but that was a stacked year. Troll 2 is I'm awesome. going to put the Rage Carry 2 back on my list. Nice. And Cat People. Peter was a courageous boy. Okay. That done, uh, Liam, do you have a plug? Stick to it. his skin like the I need to get a recording of Mitch doing this. You have one. To make him lose his way home. He noticed the it's in the episode. It seemed to giggle. I need you to isolate it for me. Who were they? Yeah, so Graham I've Clark? I've got a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted. You know, you keep going, Mitch. Keep going. Those spiteful and impotent goblins. I have a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find me under the username Graham the Mallow. Okay, I won't interrupt you anymore. Um, you can find me short, on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey run, Price, and you and can um, run, listen to my other podcasts. And I don't know why run. I'm going fast, like Ghostface is trying to kill me again. He's not. Um, but you can uh, listen to Strat 2, which is my podcast about F1 with my friend Callum uh, at Strat 2 F1. MK Podquest is my podcast with our friend Neil about Mortal Kombat stuff. MK Podquest, that's pod like podcast, quest like adventure i guess um thank you all once again for listening to this episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another which is all one word and on letterbox that tmao you can find episodes on anchor spotify apple and google Podcasts, stitcher breaker and everything else as they made another one you can reach us via email at tmao podcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and if you like mitch's goblin monologue our fantastic thumbnailer is done by jade dickinson you can find on instagram at jade sketches and with all that out of the way, we will wrap up season three of They Made Another One next week on They Made Another One. Nilbog, it's goblins spelled backwards. This is their kingdom. <laughs>